a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see, to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in, in the flesh and blood of Jesus. And he uses that, those means, namely his flesh and his blood, his life and, and his death, he uses those means to save us. And when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed. We were adopted as sons of God. Uh, I think. Oh, huh? 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 Oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is the theme over? All right. Table Talk Radio, take three. How you doing over there, Pastor Wolf? Uh, yeah, yeah. Questionable. Really. <laughs> well, I have some. Three good... shows in one day. Yes, this is quite the feat. Um. I'll, I, this is a good one, though. I, I think most of our listeners will stay in for at least uh, half of the show this time. Uh, because first, yeah. uh, well, we're going to check in with Lumpy and, and do some emails from Pastor Charmley. Uh, and then yeah. we're going to play a little... Church sign. And... Yeah. Theology. <laughs> nice. Hey, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do that again. Church sign. And... <laughs> theology. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so that's, that is awesome. That just made your day right there, which is kind yeah, of yeah. I wish I knew how to do that. Just rejuvenated from uh, from teaching junior high schooler, junior high kids. Yeah, that? I know. It's like the life has come back. <laughs> is that to say that just hearing the bumper sticker? <laughs> uh, and then we're gonna end up playing the playing uh, Ten Commandments in the news. So uh, classic table talk radio lineup. Uh, why don't you give me your uh, theological buzzword, Pastor? Oh, yeah. Why don't you give me yours? Because <laughs> I needed some time to get one. Well, let's get to the bumper st- the theological buzzword in the next segment, shall we? <laughs> we can go right to the email. Okay. I have three emails here uh, to uh, to us from Gervais Charmley. What in the world was he doing sending us this many emails? One is to the Lutheran chaps. The other is to the Lutheran pastor chaps. And the third is to Lumpy. Okay. I don't know. I'm glad Ready? to hear from him, though. It's been a while since we've heard I know, from we've Pastor I know. We've been trying Charmling. to provoke him into sending us an email it's true. for a long it's time true. now. And it worked. Let's hear what about. Finally. Okay. Here's the first one. Dear Lutheran chaps, just a quick line to point out something that Americans seem to have a hard time realizing. Scotland is not part of England. I write regarding a comment made on show 189 when Pastor Wolfmuller, having noted the Scottish Presbyterian roots of the Disciples of Christ movement, I don't even know if I know that. I don't know how I said that. Some sort of magical knowledge. Anyway, uh, declared that it came out of the Church of England. That's quite impossible, since in Presbyterian Scotland, Anglicans are nonconformists. Whatever that means. i got to go back and watch Braveheart, get the history <laughs> in. Scotland is today part of the United Kingdom, though there are forces at work to put an end to this. Dun, dun, dun. But at the time of the Reformation, this was not so. The crowns were only united in 1604, when Elizabeth I died. And uh, uh, naming King James V, maybe that's sixth, of Scotland as her V heir. would be five. Scotland, V-I. Oh, V-I. 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 Oh, I five. see. Okay. Go, continue. Eve would be four. 
<laughs> Scotland was at the time a completely independent kingdom with its own reformed and Presbyterian established church established under the guidance of John Knox, who was in turn influenced by John Calvin. Thus, any group from a Scottish Presbyterian background has precisely no connection at all with the Church of England. Got it? Once more for the Americans, Great Britain is an island, the largest of the British Isles. Here is the geography lesson. I hope you kids are taking notes. So These wait. are in the order... Okay. Uh, the island contains three distinct nations. These are, in order of size, England, Scotland, and Wales. The Oh, yeah, Wales. The, the Kingdom of England is distinct from the Kingdom of Scotland, and the Principality of Wales is distinct from both. Each has its own distinct ecclesiastical settlement and its own rules for golf. I added that. In England, there's an established Episcopal church which recognizes the Queen as its supreme governor, uh, etc., etc. Finally, the Principality of Wales does not have an established church, the ancient Episcopal Church having been disestablished in 1920. That body is now called the Church in Wales rather than the Church of Wales. Unlike the Anglicans, the Welsh have sort of a roving archbishop which is held by the bishop of one of the Welsh sees. I hope this clears things up. So let me get this straight. There's a place called Great Britain. <laughs> Right. P.S. One of my elders is a former Church of Scotland man, and he would be most offended if he knew what you said about the Scot Presbyterian having come from the Church of England. He'd probably be offended by more than that. <laughs> Incidentally, the fact that the, uh, that the really English Presbyterians came from the Church of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the correction. I stand repentant and corrected. All right, uh, that's one email down, two more to go. Here we go. Buckle up. Yeah. Here's where it gets rocky. Dear Lutheran pastor-type chaps, back in show 192, you brought up the idea of divine accommodation, but appeared to misunderstand or misrepresent it. Uh -oh. It is not in contradiction to the perspicuity of Scripture, as you seem to think. It is certainly not functionally identified to the Mormon position. That's your fault, by the way, yeah, Pastor Yeah, I'll, I'll repent of that. Uh, I, I you claim that... Oh, here's what you claim. You claim that the Mormons say they accept the Bible insofar as it's understood correctly. That's not what they say. That's what everyone says. Uh, who says they believe in the Bible says. <laughs> True enough. So you're. Oh, sorry. I, I interrupted your repentance. Yeah, yeah. So I repent. Uh, so okay. what, what they what they actually do say is what uh, he says next. Why don't you go ahead and read it? Uh, <laughs> they actually say we've uh, all so far as it's translated correctly, rather than uh, oh yeah, we've all come across the very silly understanding of the Bible that come from. Re oh, I'm supposed to be reading this with my strong bad accent. How come I always forget Man. that? We're we're really okay without it. I think uh, the Table Talk Radio listener just called in and he said that it's okay. You don't have to do it. <laughs> no, the Mormon says he believes the Bible insofar as it's correctly translated. Joseph Smith claimed that the Bible contained many translation errors that concealed the truth. He, of course, did not actually have any ability at all in the original languages. Accommodation means... I'll continue. Thank you. Is that all right? Accommodation means that God accommodates his message to our understanding. In claiming this, we are not saying that we know more than God has revealed. So, for example, God's eternal, yet we can only understand that concept as a continuous progression of time. The most obvious example of accommodation of the Bible's anthropomorphisms. Ah, where we read of the arm of the Lord or his ear. Now, unlike the Mormons, we do not believe that God is a man from another planet who became a god. That is really kind of creepy that the Mormons believe that, you know, mm -hmm. by the way. And as an aside, it's just creepy. As man is now, God once was. As God is, as, how does that go? As God is now, man shall become. Yep. Yeesh. Anyway. 
Uh, where am I? Lost my place here. Oh, yeah. So, fa the, so the Father does not have a human form. In fact, he doesn't have a form in that sense at all, for God is spirit. We're quite in agreement that the Bible means what it says, and that the knowledge we have about God is true knowledge that is derived from God's revelation in the Bible, and not from our subjective ideas as to what God must mean. Do you get that? Yes. Do you get that, Calvinists? No. All the Calvinist listeners need to listen. Further, are they, <laughs> in order to be able to write in and complain. <laughs> Further, Gervais, uh, Pastor Charmley continues, to say that there are many things about God that we do not know is not a claim to know those things are, to represent it as such is a fallacy, assuming that somehow a claim that there is more than has been revealed is a claim that we know what those things are. Deuteronomy 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, so that we know that there are things we do not know. But we do not, by definition, know the things that we do not know, and yet we know that we do not know them. Got it? Mm -hmm. We may here borrow the language of known knowns, unknown knowns, and known unknowns, and unknown knowns. A known known? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone listening still? <laughs> Barely. Anyone out there? Anyone? Uh, anyone? Yeah, okay, so we're talking about known knowns. <laughs> okay, a known known is a thing that we know, and that we know that we know. An unknown known is a thing we know, yet we do not know what we know. Perhaps that we have failed to make a connection in our brains. A known unknown, then, is a thing that we know that we do not know. That is to say, we do not know it, but we know that we don't know it. Finally, that's like, for example, the value of Table Talk radio points. That's a known unknown. Is this Finally, what, is an this unknown what, <laughs> unknown. <laughs> Go ahead. No, that's not what he wrote. That was my little addition uh, here. I, I know. An unknown unknown is a thing that we don't know that we don't know that we don't know. Because either we're blissfully ignorant of everything concerning it, or because we're foolishly confident that we do know it, when in fact we do not know it. I trust this is quite clear. Yours in Christ, Pastor Chairman. Now, for example, the British Isles are a... Known unknown. That would be an example. <laughs> okay, so uh, do you have a response then to Pastor Charmley there? No. I forgot this. <laughs> yeah, my response is a, it's no, un a it's known unknown. unknown. <laughs> so are you retracting <laughs> retracting your criticism of I'm not divine quite accommodation? Yet. No, I'm not quite retracting because um because this is the thing, is that it's fine to say that there's things about God that we don't know. The known unknown category. That's fine to say that. Uh, what I'm talking about is when we get start to uh, when we start to act like we know the unknown, um, and then and now the scripture becomes some. When we call the scripture accommodation, what we're assuming there, what we're assuming is that the Bible um, is uh, is is hiding from us. See, you see, this is a problem. The Bible is hiding from us reality. Uh, it's like when you teach the kids algebra and uh, because you know they can't handle calculus yet. Uh, this kind of thing. No, what the Bible says is true. And insofar as Pastor Charmley says that and says that divine accommodation doesn't mean anything different, then we certainly agree. All right. Well, we'll trust Pastor Charmley with that, I guess. After this commercial break, we'll check in with Lumpy. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll bring you back.
Table Talk Radio. So exciting, you won't notice. All right, Lumpy is getting ready, apparently. Uh, <laughs> that, move, that, song, that music is a little bit too... Uh, Cool for Lumpy. <laughs> oh yeah, da, I forgot. Da, da, da. I forgot to get the uh, Pink da, da, Panther da, da, song. You should see Lumpy dance. Well, maybe you shouldn't. Um, By the way, people keep telling me how bad they want to meet that guy Lumpy. That's a mistake. Yeah, it is. That's one. That's like wanting to find the hidden god, Calvinists. Same difference. <laughs> it's a mistake. Oh yeah. So, Lumpy's here, by the way. Can you smell him? Yeah, he stinks. Does, does Lumpy have a theological buzzword? Oh. <laughs> He's on it. He's looking at All right. I, I'll, I'm I'll, sure he'll I'll come give up with one by the time he reads this. Buzz phrase. My theological buzz phrase okay. for you is Vicar of Christ. Oh, nice. Um, okay, so the vicar means in the stead of. Now, you're getting a vicar, is that right? Summer vicar. A half vicar? A quarter vicar? (laughs) A quarter vicar. I told him to to brush up on his Greek, especially the word doulos, to get ready to come down here for the summer. Okay, Dr. Nordling. Um, (laughs) That's a Greek word for slavery, by the way. Uh, So vicar means in the stead of. So the idea is, and I think the reason that... um, at least the Missouri Synod. I don't know what do what does the ELCA call their pastoral interns? I don't know. Okay, so I think at least the Missouri Synod. I think the reason we Ma'am. use the word <laughs> <laughs> miss <laughs> among other things. <laughs> oh boy, that was accidentally really funny. <laughs> Um, oh, they have lady the, pastors get it. But didn't I, I tell you how I was going to explain all the jokes for those uh, up and coming <laughs> radio hosts? I was going to explain why all the jokes are funny, and that was funny because ELCA has lady pastors. <laughs> Please, you just ruin it. Anyway, um, okay. So, so being instead of so, uh, the idea is that when um, you you have a, a vicar, a, a pastoral intern, that uh, when he goes to uh, the bedside of of a member, for example, he's going in the stead of pastor, learning. Learning in the office, but not but not being authorized in the office itself. I think that's what we, why we, we use the term vicar. Now um, uh, there are other. I don't know what churches. Pro- probably Pastor Charlie email and tell us uh, churches that just refer to their pastors as vicars, and that's kind of nice because um, pastors speak in the stead and by the command of Christ. But uh, uh, the vicar of Christ specifically uh, is referring to the Pope because the Pope, the uh, Rome says, uh, the Pope speaks in the stead of Christ when he speaks ex cathedra. So he's speaking infallibly, according to Vatican One, I think. Vatican One came out with uh, that that statement of ex cathedra. But but they've called uh, they called um, uh, the Pope the vicar of Christ ever since the time of the Reformation. So what's the difference between uh, those who say, like the Lutherans, who say that, that uh, a pastor speaks in the stead of Christ versus uh, Rome, who says a, the Pope can speak in the stead of Christ? Well, the the pastor can only speak in the stead of Christ insofar as he has the authority to, and that is only uh, over the uh, the forgiveness and the binding of sins, uh, as, as Christ gave that authority to the apostles. 
in John's gospel. Uh, but the the Pope nor anyone else has the authority to speak on behalf of Christ on uh, in on any other matter. Right. Okay, got it. It just started raining here, by the way. Can you hear it in the background? No, but it's raining here too. Hey, that's cool. Smoke and water. Uh, my buzzword for you, I just thought of it, uh, is confession. You ever had that one before? Yes, we have. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh. I remember that one. It means to say the same thing. In Greek, it's homologeo. But now, here, here's the thing. that uh, There's a handful of different ways that uh, confession comes across. So, uh, we say about ourselves the same thing that God says, and that's to confess our sins. And then we say about God the same things that he says about himself. That's to confess our faith. Then we also get after those people who don't get it right, uh, so we want to confess the truth, and that's what the really the confessions are, the ten documents in the Book of Concord, the Lutheran Confessions, and the 700 Calvinist Confessions are trying to do the same thing. Enter Lumpy. Okay, so Lumpy, how's that uh, project? We, now, we just to bring everyone else in the loop here, uh, Lumpy is, is pursuing the question, how many uh, confessions do the Calvinists have? And, and Lumpy, yeah. how, how are things going in that project? Well, according to the OCB, that is the official Calvinist blogger, there's only six, which is, everybody knows, ridiculous. Because... <laughs> That does it not does it not fit the equation. This is how to figure out how many Calvinist confessions there are. You take every Calvinist and you multiply by five, that gets the number of blogs, and then you multiply <laughs> by about twelve to get the number of confessions. So we know the number of Calvinists, we've narrowed it down to this. The number of Calvinist confessions is greater than six. Now, everyone apparently feels sorry for Lumpy because I keep getting emails, including this one from Pastor Charmley. Man, this is lumpy. This is the Pastor Charmley hour. Mm-hmm. The half hour Pastor Charmley hour. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the Lutheran hour. <laughs> you know, I, when I was a kid, I used to watch the half hour comedy hour. I thought that was the funniest thing. The half hour comedy hour. I'm like, how could it be half an hour if it's an hour? And how could it? I thought that was so great. And then the Lutheran hour is only half an hour, <laughs> which is equally funny. So then during Lent, we were having Bible study. After the Lent service, we'd only have it for a half an hour at the night at nighttime. So I said it was, I called it the half hour Lutheran hour. And I laughed and laughed and laughed and everyone else was sitting there. And then you had to explain Can the joke. Over? Care, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm all for explaining jokes, though, for you up and coming, who? Comedians? Radio hosts? Pastors? Pastors. Who need senses of humors. Anyhow... Pastor Charmley writes, as a singular Calvinist, this is what this is uh, what Sasa says, the lonely way, singular, all by themselves. You you must be a singular Lutheran, huh? You, Evan? Could you explain that joke? I don't get it. <laughs> See, you're not married. You're single. Ah. <laughs> oh, thank you. As a singular Calvinist, I thought Pastor Charmley was married, though. I don't know what he's getting at here. I... <laughs> Apparently, singular is one of these words I'm supposed to know what it means. I think at one time we outlawed the recording of three hours of Table Talk Radio <laughs> in one day. That's it's a good, part of the old Table Talk canon law. That's, that's a good we rule a, to remember. <laughs> we need this a, is, this we is need the, canon the, law, the Table, Table Talk, Talk Radio Radio hour, three hours. <laughs> Anyhow, I believe I have some evidence that may assist in the question of how many Calvinist confessions there are. Reverend Philip Schaff compiled his creeds of Christendom in an effort to make a list of the confessions of all the churches. <clears throat> I have that here on the shelf. Everyone, by the way, should have this on the shelf. The three-volume Creeds of Christendom by Schaff, 
S uh, C H A F F. That's why you pronounce it Chef. And you can get it for like ten bucks and through, through Christian book distributors. This old thing because it's in the public domain. So anyhow, here's a here's a list. Relevant creeds will then be. Heidelberg Catechism, Gallican Confession, 1559, Belgic Confession, Scottish Confession, Second Scottish Confession, 39 Articles of Church of England, Irish Articles, Canons of Dort, Westminster Confession, Westminster Stortic Catechism, the Savoy Declaration, uh, Declaration of Congregational Union of England and Wales, the uh, 1689 Second London Baptist Confession, the New Hampshire Baptist Confession, the Waldensian Confession, Confession of the Evangelical Free Church of Geneva, the Second Helvetic Confession, the English Presbyterian Articles, the First London Baptist Confession, uh, the Gospel Standard Articles, uh, this is Gospel Standard Baptists, uh, the 1655 Midland Baptist Confession, the 1656 Somerset Baptist Confession of Faith, the 1757 Carter Lane Confession of Faith, the 1816 Sandy Creek Confession, and the 1858 Abstract of Principles of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Then, that's 25, by the way, if you were counting. Given that many independent churches, Baptist, pedio, uh, pedo-Baptist, drew up their own confessions for insertion in trust deeds or just because they wanted to, that various associations did the same, etc., there must be many more. But this is a fairly comprehensive list, though I've no doubt missed a number of non-English confessions. Many of them are no longer in use, etc. Why so many? Well, you will note that many of them are national confessions, Westminster included. They are drafted by the command of the government, governments that did not want to adopt a translation of some funny foreign document. In the case of the Gallican, is that how to say that? Gallican Confession? This is a Protestant church in a Roman Catholic nation that's trying to assert that it is a French. Adopting a foreign confession would not have helped. In several cases, though, it's just people being awkward. We're talking about Calvinists, after all. Yours in Christ. And he's right. For some reason, we are talking about Calvinists again. So our list is is up to 25. (laughs) 25 Calvinist confessions so far and counting. Nice. Look at this. I just someone also sent me a link to this book, Reformed Confessions of the 16th and 17th Centuries in English Translation, Volumes One and Two. Yeesh. Sweet. I'm checking out uh, this. Uh, I'm buying this on Christian Book Distributors right now, by the way. Oh, yeah, good. Here, this Now, here it says documents in this volume, volume two. It starts with the 42 articles of the Church of England and goes all the way through the synods of Gulafenhevra and of Marosavaharle. I've never heard of any of this stuff. Anyways, 69 documents in these, in this Reformed Confessions of the 16th and 17th century. Sheesh. So uh, Lumpy has his work cut out for him. Well, we're need, we need to go to this commercial break, and then we're going to do read some all these things. church sign and a bunch. You oh, find me passed I mean, out in the alley with a bottle of scotch. When we get back, we're going to, to be playing church sign and theology. Yeah! So that's in store for David Doc Radio. If you have some uh, church sign and call it in at 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-76. Five, two, or send us an email questions at tabletalkradio.org and right after this The 
most persevering listeners in radio. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Do the bumper stickers yeah. on the say a lot? Oh yeah, a they lot do. Who you Woo-hoo. are? Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. It's time for and bumper stickers. Theology. Yeah, baby. Uh, this is, by the way, Lumpy. Pastor Wolfmuller told me I could do the rest of the show. He's gonna take it off. Good because it was getting pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. He looks like he's been hit punched in the face. It looks like someone threw this 909-page volume two of Reformed Confessions at him. Although he's probably clean-shaven now, isn't he? Hmm? Yeah, he didn't shave this morning, though. Oh, okay. A little rough around the edges. Well, hey, uh, we before we get into the, the bumper stickers, we have to this, this voicemail we need to play. I can see. I announce all of my church signs with, Church sign! But the guy that announces the bumper stickers, Bumper sticker! He is by far and away the winner, so... I can see it. Can you see the head shaking when he says it? Bumbushika! (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. This gentleman, I don't even know where he's from or or anything about him, but uh, he has been very faithful in in sending us bumper stickers. So I'm going to, from henceforth, uh, he shall be known as uh, Church Sign Guy. Church Sign Guy. Yeah. Hey, Church Sign Guy. All right. Here's to you, Church Sign Guy. We should make one of those (laughs) Miller Lite commercials. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're driving Whatever. across the country. <laughs> you see a church sign. You called in Table Talk Radio. Here's to Call you. Call in Table Talk Radio. <laughs> you know how that goes. Well, here's uh, to you, church sign guy. How we play uh, church sign and Bible theology is that we uh, we, we develop these uh, what worldview catalog. Is that, is that what you yeah, have? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we listen to a, 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 the voicemails. Called in to one eight hundred three eight five SOLA of church signs and bumper stickers, and then we determine what what worldview, if any, is being uh, proclaimed here. Because the idea is, if you're going to, especially with the bumper sticker, if you're going to uh, pay money to take this uh, what little sign and and with adhesive glue on the back and stick it to your car, you must believe something about what that, that says. So we're just trying to get at what it is that someone believes. Uh, when they put these on their signs or put on the church, uh, the, what's what's the theology behind uh, putting these signs on a, on a church sign, trying to get people to come in the church? So let's go out to Houston, Texas first for a church sign. Hey, guys, this is Jeff from Houston. I just passed a church sign. You'll like this one. Several thousand dollars in Apple products given away Easter Sunday. Have fun. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah, I sure would have known about that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, Pastor Wolfman there to the church council. I'm going to have to be gone on Easter Sunday. <laughs> yeah. These are giving me free iPad going to church down there. It's about, by the way, how to show the sincerity. It's like the complete opposite of um of everything good, but it's also the complete opposite of everything bad. Because, <laughs> you know, you... You, you know the whole kind of legalistic going to church. You got to go to church to serve. So you're no. saying at, at <laughs> least they're, at least they're being uh, honest about their selfishness of going to church. Yeah, I'm just here for <laughs> well, the iPod. Yeah, but, but you know, <laughs> did some church give away Super Bowl tickets? Yeah, that was a couple of years ago, I think. It was a raffle. What do they give away? I wonder at how Hope it goes? Say seven, several million dollars of uh, 
of forgiveness given away every Sunday. <laughs> I, I preached my Monday, Thursday sermon, something like that. How much would it be if someone came in here and said, hey, pastor, can I have some of that body and blood of Jesus? I'll pay you for it. What would the cost be, you know? And this, and the point is, you can't put a cost on that. But imagine if, imagine how many people would be in your adult instruction class if instead of a, a little uh, sip of the Lord's blood was in the cup, every Sunday there was a $1,000 bill rolled up in there. <laughs> and then your elders would be like, Pastor, we got to practice better close communion. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't have any trouble convincing people to have every Sunday communion either, would you? That's true. You bring up a good point. So is there a is there a worldview behind uh, this church sign or a theology behind this church sign? No, no. This is this is would be better for the other game that we're going to play at some point. How big a missionalist are you? Aha! Uh-huh. So we'll have to missional under that missionarific or hypermissionified. <laughs> Those are our three categories. I am sure that I am hypermissionified, but you're probably just barely missional. We got to work on the categories, but true. Hypermissionified. <laughs> oh, how much longer are we going to record this show? <laughs> hey, well, let's go to church sign guy. Church sign, be an organ donor. Give Jesus your heart. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And I guess I take it back every time I send. And, oh, yeah, I'm sending constantly. And then I have to give it back to him, and then I take it back. I'm just a big cosmic yo-yo. Thanks, church sign. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, church sign guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, remember that like great little line in um, uh, the book? Yeah, <laughs> um, 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 oh, you know the book that's by the Bogarts, uh, Hammer of God. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he starts talking about how uh, the guy goes along and and uh, and he he's, and he's, he says, "Have you given Jesus your heart?" And he says, "Well, what do you want? Something like that." Yeah. <laughs> What's he, what's he liken it to, a rusty can and a heap of junk or something like that? Yeah, and the Lord picks it up and puts it on the mat, dusts it off and puts it on his mantle. Yeah, that's right. What would he want that for? That's great. <laughs> Give the Lord your heart. He's like, oh, man, are you embarrassed? It's like, if you give the Lord your heart, it's like someone comes to visit and you put a dirty diaper in their hand. Oh, thanks. Here you go. What, here, what in the world? <laughs> oh, that's great worldview yeah, like your heart is some great treasure i don't know what worldview that would be man you're really slacking on this worldview thing See, no, because look because the worldviews are designed for for bumper stickers not for church signs it's not a world the church sign is a you know what the church sign is the church sign is the bait part of the bait and switch. <laughs> I know. Okay, I'll, well, let's go to Austin, Texas for a, a bumper sticker then, so that way we can get a worldview from you. All right, all right. Hi, my name is Nathan. I'm Austin, Texas. Bumper sticker theology. Uh, driving down the road, I saw a small Chevy pickup with uh, Ixus with a rainbow filled in. So that's an, an Ixus with, the rain, with a rainbow filled in. Thank you. Love your show. Oh, Bye. I know what that's talking about. See, the Ichthus is the sign for the Christian, and the rainbow is the sign of promise that God gives to Noah. So this is a great little bumper sticker about that's how a good... Christians cling to the promise. Yeah, that's the best construction. <laughs> <laughs> Holy hey, cow. How come, how, how come the, uh, you, you know, if um, people uh, uh, love people uh, of the same gender, they get the rainbow. You cannot have the rainbow. <laughs> the rainbow's already claimed. 
<laughs> by the copyright. person who invented it. We gotta get CPH on that. <laughs> CPH, could you please copyright do a little work protecting the copyright of the rainbow? <laughs> Thank you. That would be useful. <laughs> that would be a good conversation starter, wouldn't it? Hey, I noticed you have a rainbow there. You must trust in the promises of God to never flood the earth again. <laughs> That's right. You know, to cleanse the earth of wickedness and, and vile corruption. This, by the way, is the worldview. God is a super nice guy. Remember? Remember uh, that one? Oh, yeah, because he's not going to do anything to you. Right, because here's my sin, and I'm going to flaunt it, because after all, God's a super nice guy. Surely he couldn't be mad at my sin, just because I like that dude over there, you know? See? <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately, uh, that's all the... Uh, I have some shirt shine still, but that's all the bump stickers we have. So uh, we need to get, get them in, called in to 1-800-385... Uh, oh, I should say those are all the voicemails. We have we have some emails, but I didn't prepare any of those. Bump um, sticker! Uh, so call them in to one eight hundred three eight five SOLA and let's hear let's go to Canada uh, to hear a church sign. Church sign in Regina forecast God reigns and the sun shines. A fun oh, how cute. <laughs> yes, this is the this is oh, the, the thing that <laughs> that these church signs, the people who do the church signs are like, man. <laughs> people, if only people knew how how good puns Christians had, there would be more people <laughs> in church. <laughs> what we need around here, what we need around here is more puns. <laughs> That's what I think. I wake up every morning like, man, we could fill up the church if only they knew that we could write puns. <laughs> so this one wouldn't work to get you into church? Hey, that was pretty clever. I think I might go check out that church. The Lord, the Lord <laughs> reigns and the sun shines. Well, which is it? Are you cloudy? <laughs> you, know, oh, you know, every once in a while when it's raining and the sun's out at the same time. Oh, yeah. All right, Washington, church sign. Hi, uh, this is Joe from Richland, Washington. Uh, I have a church sign to, to report. Um, okay, it says if man does not obey... He cannot believe. Um, yeah, pretty sure that's not right. All right, <laughs> talk to you later. Bye. And issues, et cetera, claims the smartest listeners in radio. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you cannot obey, you cannot believe. What's they wrong? might have the smartest <laughs> listeners, but we surely have the smartest hosts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what our liner should be. Table Talk Radio, the smartest hosts in radio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone would get the joke. <laughs> you'd, you'd have to explain it after every line. They're not joking. They're really serious and also smart <laughs> and good looking. Is hey, it, did we ever get to that picture of you with a tank top walking down the street for a definition of strength? Well, well we decided not to because we were afraid it would bring down the servers with all the activity. So. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Forgot. <laughs> My bad. Now, uh, so what was it again? I already forgot what the sign said. Hi, uh, this is Joe from Richland, Washington. Uh, I have a church sign to, to report. Um, okay, it says if man ca- does not obey, he cannot believe. He cannot oh. obey, he cannot believe. Yeesh. I mean, Jesus does say, if you love me, you'll keep my voice. But look, our... Keep my commandments. Uh, our, 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 we, the weakness of our flesh is precisely what we believe the Lord has overcome. 
he, we believe that he's forgiven us where we failed. So our faith exactly contradicts uh, our own strength. In fact, it supplements our weakness. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. We're not done yet. We're just going to be done. Somewhere, a mystic is crying. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Somewhere, a mystic is crying. That's mean, picking on mystics. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Ten Commandments in the Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That bump means we're doing something different. Yeah. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I was just scanning. Uh, you thought, I was just scanning our Facebook page for more bumper stickers, and now you thought we were still playing church signs and bumper sticker theology. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, you were wrong. Hmm. That's all right. I got my Google News feed up here. All right. Well, you you want to go first? Or you want me I'm to? Ready. You go ahead. All right. Uh, Trevon Martin case. Z- uh, Zimmerman faces second degree murder charge. George Zimmerman, a neighborhood watch volunteer, faces a second-degree murder charge for shooting Trevon Martin, an unarmed black teenager in Stanford, Florida, the special prosecutor in the case announced Wednesday. In a televised news conference, State Attorney Angela B. Corey outlined the charges in the case that has sparked national demonstrations calling for Zimmerman's arrest. Quote, I can tell you, we did not come to this decision lightly, Corey told reporters. We uh, do not... Uh, prosecute by public pressure. She said her office has filed information with the charge. Zimmerman, who has maintained he acted in self-defense, was in custody, uh, Corey confirmed, though he though she gave no details. He has been he has been in hiding since the shooting after his family said he had received death threats. Martin 17 was returning from a convenience store on February 26. He bought a bag of Skittles, candy, and iced tea when he caught. Uh, Zimmerman's eye. Zimmerman, 28, was driving out of his gated community in Stanford on his way to the supermarket when he called the Stanford Police Department to report a young black male acting suspiciously, uh, possibly on drugs, he said. Uh, police dispatcher asked Zimmerman whether he was following the youth. When Zimmerman replied uh, that he was, the dispatcher told him, we don't need you to do that. Moments later, Zimmerman, armed with a 9mm weapon, uh, got out of his car. And um, Zimmerman, one more paragraph. Uh, Zimmerman said that he shot Martin in self-defense after the youth struck him in the face, knocked him down, and began pounding his head into the into the ground. But many believe Zimmerman was the aggressor, emboldened by his status as the self-appointed neighborhood watch captain. All right, Ten mm. Commandments. <clears throat> yeah, well, the obvious one is the Fifth Commandment. You shall not murder. Um, which protects life in every way. But you know what also comes into play pretty well here? This is interesting to me, is the fourth commandment, which is authority. So here the police says, okay, you don't need to follow the guy. We'll check it out. And he does. In other words, the police are, um, have the vocation of of uh, keeping peace, etc. Um, I'm not against neighborhood watch, of course, but, you know, as a supplement, supplemental eyes to the police, but not a supplemental arms and guns to the police um so that comes into play here as well i don't i always wonder what you know the big thing about this is if it's a racial sort of thing 
and I don't know, I, I'm not sure what sin, what commandment the sin of racism um, it would also be the fifth commandment. Fits it fits under. It's it's kind of. I think it's underneath some of the commandments because you can be a racist and and therefore have hatred towards your neighbor. So it's kind of a whole second table sort of thing, and that could lead to lying, theft, violence, etc. It could lead to any of those second table sins. Uh, so that's also here as well. Uh, here though is an interesting thing because this is this is you know there's talk of this being charged as a hate crime and that kind of hate crime stuff is ridiculous. I mean, I don't care if some guy comes up and smacks me in the face. I don't care if he loves me or he hates me. <laughs> the, the fact that he smacked me in the face is enough. You see? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the whole idea of starting to govern how people feel about other people, that is the law going a little bit further than it ought. But the, the idea behind hate crime is just that it's identifying that it was racially motivated or it doesn't have to just be race, but in this case, it'd be racially motivated. But I, I agree with you; it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, the fact whether it was racially motivated or any other reason, the fact of the matter is, a, a killing took place. Now we have to deal with the right. evidence of that. That's right. That's right. So, so hopefully, we'll let the eighth commandment take over, and this yes. will be handled reasonably in the courts. Yeah, which is I, which I think is unfortunate, seeing how the the media and the public has has just really. Um, I, I I feel I feel bad for Zimmerman. Um, well, I just I just feel bad for Zimmerman. I feel bad for the Martin family and also for Zimmerman. For uh, it'd be really tough for him to get a fair trial at this point. Um, I mean, good luck finding jurors who are just completely ignorant of, of what's going on. <laughs> you know, um, right? This this is a it's a, it's a bad deal. You know, you uh, you feel bad for for um, whenever someone loses a family member. Um, but then to pour all of this on top of having it uh, publicized in the media and everything else um, is just just not a good situation anywhere you look. So that's true. Okay, um, I think that's it for that one. Okay, I got one for you. Okay, here's the headline: Apple to top Spain, Greece, Portugal. Chart of the day: Apple Incorporated's market value is about to overtake the almost 500 public companies in Spain, Greece, and Portugal combined, which together make less profit than the maker of iPhones. Hmm. The chart of the day shows the equity capitalization of Cupertino, California-based Apple, the world's most valuable company, and that of the three European countries at the center of the Europe's sovereign debt crisis, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. The total market value of the nation's public companies in November 2007 was 11 times that of Apple's before one trillion was wiped off of their shares. This shows the difference between the dark macro challenges and the bright corporate fundamentals and highlights the challenge and dynamics that has taken place in the past couple of years. Got that? Said mm-hmm. Potts, an equity strategist with Barclays Wealth in London, which oversees uh, a couple billion bucks here. Apple shares rose eightfold from January 2009 uh, to 600 and something dollars a share on April 9th. The demand for products as iPad and iPhone swelled, et cetera, et cetera. This hmm. is amazing. Apple's net income during the past 12 months was $33 billion, sur- surpassing the $32 billion of combined earning reports by companies with main listings in the three European countries. Wow. Uh, $33 billion is a lot of money. And uh, anytime you're dealing with money, you're dealing with the seventh commandment. You should not steal. 
Um, and I think with that also, these kind of always go together, the Seventh Commandment and the Ninth Commandment. Um, in fact, I always uh, I always get these explanations confused. I always cross them because um, they're, they're very similar. Uh, but, okay, so the Seventh Commandment, you should not steal. Uh, the Ninth Commandment, you should not covet your neighbor's house. Um, in fact, that uh, we should uh, help and improve our, our neighbor's possessions and income. So uh, your friend has an, an iPhone. He's playing around with it. Uh, your your job as uh, as a, as your friend's neighbor is to not uh, covet and to wish you had that iPhone, but to help him protect it uh, from someone who might try to steal it and and uh, so on and so forth. What about if the church down the street is offering iPhones to, if you visit on Easter? Then what? Uh, then you should go to your Lutheran church where they give out the body and blood of Christ, <laughs> and not iPhones. <laughs> um, I think that's all seventh and ninth. What else am I missing here? I guess well, was government was government talked about? Government now? is sort of involved. It was, in, it was the countries of the government. Yeah, that might be all that I have though. Yeah, unless I Could miss be something. All that there is. Could be all that there is. Okay. Could be. So we have two minutes left. I have another. I have one more church sign. If you want to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, this is going to be your favorite. <laughs> Hi, pastors. This is Brent in Texas, just passed a Baptist church that had the following church sign. It said, Facebook, God has sent you a friend request. I was looking for the ugh button, but couldn't find it. Have fun. (laughs) Do you have that button? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I have it on a regular basis. Um, (laughs) Facebook, God has sent you a friend request. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, I, that, don't you say that's my style, is to find something popular and then just kind of rename it? That's true. That's what you do. Now, what does your church Too sign say? Too bad I say? didn't think about that. Does your, does Our your, church sign says? Does it say, Hope Lutheran Church, Facebook, <laughs> God has sent you a friend request? No, it says, come in here and we'll poke you, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll stick it in your eye. That's what ours says. You know, we haven't talked about stick it in your eye Lutheranism lately. Yeah, this is just again silly. It's like it's like all the world needs is more puns, you know. If only there were more puns, <laughs> the world would be a better place. Yeah, I don't know that does much service to the church, but that's just me. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, I think we successfully made it through three shows today, recording uh, Table Talk Radio. Ridiculous! I hope this never has, ever has to happen again. <laughs> so do the listeners. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the helpfulness of the 1562 Confession of Tarkal and Torda. <laughs> what? It sounds like something from the Lord of the Rings. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.